Section 6 of Letters of Mrs. Adams, Volume 1, by Charles Francis Adams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Section 6, The Letters, 1775, Part 1. Braintree, 4 May, 1775, to John Adams. I have but little news to write you. Everything of that kind you will learn by a more accurate hand than mine. Things remain in much the same situation here that they were when you went away. There has been no descent upon the seacoast. Guards are regularly kept, and people seem more settled, and are returning to their husbandry. I feel somewhat lonely. Mr. Thaxter has gone home. Mr. Rice is going into the army as captain of a company. We have no school. I know not what to do with John. As government is assumed, I suppose courts of justice will be established, and in that case there may be business to do. If so, would it not be best for Mr. Thaxter to return? They seem to be discouraged in the study of law, and think there never will be any business for them. I could have wished they had consulted you upon the subject before you went away. I suppose you will receive two or three volumes of that forlorn wretch Hutchison's letters. Among many other things, I hear he wrote in 1772 that Deacon Phillips and you had liked to have been chosen into the council, but if you had, you should have shared the same fate with Bowers. May the fate of Mordecai be his. There is nobody admitted into town yet, I have made two or three attempts to get somebody in, but cannot succeed, so have not been able to do the business you left in charge with me. I want very much to hear from you, how you stood your journey, and in what state you find yourself now. I felt very anxious about you, though I endeavored to be very sensible and heroic, yet my heart felt like a heart of lead. The same night you left me I heard of Mr. Quincy's death, which at this time was a most melancholy event, especially as he wrote in minutes, which he left behind, that he had matters of consequence entrusted with him, which for want of a confidant must die with him. I went to see his distressed widow last Saturday at the Colonel's, and in the afternoon, from an alarm they had, she and her sister, with three others of the family, took refuge with me and tarried all night. She desired me to present her regards to you, and let you know she wished you every blessing, should always esteem you as a sincere friend of her deceased husband. Poor afflicted woman, my heart was wounded for her. I must quit the subject and entreat you to write me by every opportunity. Yours, Portia. Braintree, 7 May, 1775, to John Adams. I received by the deacon two letters from you this day, from Hartford. I feel a recruit of spirits upon the reception of them, and the comfortable news which they contain. We had not heard anything from North Carolina before, and could not help feeling anxious, lest we should find a defection there, arising more from their ancient feuds and animosities than from any settled ill-will in the present contest. 
but the confirmation of the choice of their delegates by their assembly leaves not a doubt of their firmness, nor doth the eye say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. The Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. Great events are most certainly in the womb of futurity, and if the present chastisements which we experience have a proper influence upon our conduct, the event will certainly be in our favor. The distresses of the inhabitants of Boston are beyond the power of language to describe. There are but very few who are permitted to come out in a day. They delay giving passes, make them wait from hour to hour, and their councils are not two hours together alike. One day they shall come out with their effects. The next day merchandise is not effects. One day their household furniture is to come out. The next only wearing apparel. The next Pharaoh's heart is hardened and he refuseth to hearken to them and will not let the people go. May their deliverance be wrought out for them as it was for the children of Israel. I do not mean by miracles but by the interposition of heaven in their favor. They have taken a list of all those who they suppose were concerned in watching the tea and every other person whom they call obnoxious, and they and their effects are to suffer destruction. Yours, Portia. Braintree, 24 May, 1775. To John Adams. I suppose you have had a formidable account of the alarm we had last Sunday morning. When I rose about six o'clock, I was told that the drums had been some time beating, and that three alarm guns were fired, that Weymouth Bell had been ringing, and Mr. Weld's was then ringing. I immediately sent off an express to know the occasion, and found the whole town in confusion. Three sloops and one cutter had come out and dropped anchor just below Great Hill. It was difficult to tell their designs. Some supposed they were coming to Germantown, others to Weymouth. People, women, children from the ironworks came flocking down this way, every woman and child driven off from below my father's, my father's family flying. The doctor is in great distress, as you may well imagine, for my aunt had her bed thrown into a cart into which she got herself, and ordered the boy to drive her to Bridgewater, which he did. The report was to them that three hundred had landed, and were upon their march up into the town. The alarm flew like lightning, and men from all parts came flocking down, till two thousand were collected. But it seems their expedition was to Grape Island for Levitt's Hay. There it was impossible to reach them for want of boats. But the sight of so many persons and the firing at them prevented their getting more than three tons of hay, though they had carted much more down to the water. At last a lighter was mustered, and a sloop from Hingham which had six portholes. Our men eagerly jumped on board and put off for the island. As soon as they perceived it, they decamped. Our people landed upon the island, and in an instant set fire to the hay, which, with the barn, was soon consumed. About eighty tons, it is said. 
we expect soon to be in continual alarms till something decisive takes place. We wait with longing expectation in hopes to hear the best accounts from you with regard to union and harmony, etc. We rejoice greatly on the arrival of Dr. Franklin, as he must certainly be able to inform you very particularly of the situation of affairs in England. I wish you would, if you can get time, be as particular as you may when you write. Everyone hereabouts comes to me to hear what accounts I have. I was so unlucky as not to get the letter you wrote at New York. Captain Beale forgot it and left it behind. We have a flying report here with regard to New York, but cannot give any credit to it as yet, that they had been engaged with the ships which Gage sent there, and had taken them with great loss upon both sides. Yesterday we had an account of three ships coming into Boston. I believe it is true, as there was a salute from the other ships, though I have not been able to learn from whence they come. I suppose you have had an account of the fire, which did much damage to the warehouses, and added greatly to the distresses of the inhabitants, whilst it continued. The bad conduct of General Gage was the means of its doing so much damage. Our house has been, upon this alarm, in the same scene of confusion that it was upon the former. Soldiers coming in for a lodging, for breakfast, for supper, for drink, etc. Sometimes refugees from Boston, tired and fatigued, seek an asylum for a day, a night, a week. You can hardly imagine how we live. Yet, to the houseless child of want, our doors are open still, and though our portions are but scant, we give them with good will. My best wishes attend you, both for your health and happiness, and that you may be directed into the wisest and best measures for our safety and the security of our posterity. I wish you were nearer to us. We know not what a day will bring forth nor what distress one hour may throw us into. Hitherto I have been able to maintain a calmness and presence of mind, and hope I shall, but the exigency of the time be what it will. Adieu, breakfast calls, your affectionate Portia. Weymouth, 15 June, 1775. To John Adams. I sat down to write you on Monday, but really could not compose myself sufficiently. The anxiety I suffered from not hearing one syllable from you for more than five weeks, and the new distress arising from the arrival of recruits, agitated me more than I have been since the never-to-be-forgotten 14th of April, note the day upon which he left her. I have been much revived by receiving two letters from you last night, one by the servant of your friend, and the other by the gentleman you mention, though they both went to Cambridge, and I have not seen them. I hope to send this as a return to you. I feared much for your health when you went away. I must entreat you to be as careful as you can, consistently with the duty you owe your country. That consideration alone prevailed with me to consent to your departure, in a time so perilous and so hazardous to your family, and with a body so infirm as to require the tenderest care and nursing. 
I wish you may be supported and divinely assisted in this most important crisis, when the fate of empires depends upon your wisdom and conduct. I greatly rejoice to hear of your union and determination to stand by us. We cannot but consider the great distance you are from us as a very great misfortune, when our critical situation renders it necessary to hear from you every week, and will be more and more so as difficulties arise. We now expect our seacoast ravaged. Perhaps the very next letter I write will inform you that I am driven away from our yet quiet cottage. Necessity will oblige Gage to take some desperate steps. We are told for truth that he is now eight thousand strong. We live in continual expectation of alarms. Courage I know we have in abundance. Conduct I hope we shall not want. But powder? Where shall we get a sufficient supply? I wish we may not fail there. Every town is filled with the distressed inhabitants of Boston. Our house, among others, is deserted, and by this time, like enough, made use of as a barrack. Mr. Bedoin and his lady are at present in the house of Mrs. Borland, and are going to Middleborough to the house of Judge Oliver. He, poor gentleman, is so low that I apprehend he is hastening to a house not made with hands. He looks like a mere skeleton, speaks faint and low, is racked with a violent cough, and, I think, far advanced in consumption. I went to see him last Saturday. He is very inquisitive of every person with regard to the times, begged I would let him know of the first intelligence I had from you, is very unable to converse by reason of his cough. He rides every pleasant day and has been kind enough to call at the door, though unable to get out, several times. He says the very name of Hutchison distresses him. Speaking of him the other day, he broke out, Religious rascal, how I abhor his name! Pray be as particular as possible when you write. Everybody wants to hear and to know what is doing, and what may be communicated do not fail to inform me of. All our friends desire to be kindly remembered to you. Gage's proclamation you will receive by this conveyance. All the records of time cannot produce a blacker page. Satan, when driven from the regions of bliss, exhibited not more malice. Surely the father of lies is superseded, yet we think it the best proclamation he could have issued. I shall, whenever I can, receive and entertain, in the best manner I am capable, the gentlemen who have so generously proffered their services in our army. Government is wanted in the army and elsewhere. We see the want of it more from so large a body being together than when each individual was employed in his own domestic circle. My best regards to every man you esteem. You will make my compliments to Mr. Mifflin and Lady. I do not now wonder at the regard the ladies express for a soldier. Every man who wears a cockade appears of double the importance he used to do, and I feel a respect for the lowest subaltern in the army. You tell me you know not when you shall see me. I never trust myself long with the terrors which sometimes intrude themselves upon me. 
I hope we shall see each other again, and rejoice together in happier days. The little ones are well, and send duty to Papa. Don't fail of letting me hear from you by every opportunity. Every line is like a precious relic of the saints. I have a request to make of you, something like the barrel of sand, I suppose you will think it, but really of much more importance to me. It is that you would send out Mr. Bass and purchase me a bundle of pins and put them in your trunk for me. The cry for pins is so great that what I used to buy for seven shillings and sixpence are now twenty shillings and not to be had for that. A bundle contains six thousand, for which I used to give a dollar, but if you can procure them for fifty shillings or three pounds, pray let me have them. I am, with the tenderest regard, your Portia. Sunday, 18 June. 1775. To John Adams. Dearest friend, the day, perhaps the decisive day, is come on which the fate of America depends. My bursting heart must find vent at my pen. I have just heard that our dear friend, Dr. Warren, is no more, but fell gloriously fighting for his country saying, better to die honorably in the field than ignominiously hang upon the gallows. Great is our loss. He has distinguished himself in every engagement, by his courage and fortitude, by animating the soldiers and leading them on by his own example. A particular account of these dreadful, but I hope glorious days, will be transmitted you, no doubt, in the exactest manner. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but the God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Charlestown is laid in ashes. The battle began upon our entrenchments upon Bunker's Hill, Saturday morning about three o'clock, and has not ceased yet and it is now three o'clock Sabbath afternoon. It is expected they will come out over the neck tonight, and a dreadful battle must ensue. Almighty God, cover the heads of our countrymen, and be a shield to our dear friends. How many have fallen we know not. The constant roar of the cannon is so distressing that we cannot eat, drink, or sleep. May we be supported and sustained in the dreadful conflict. I shall tarry here until it is thought unsafe by my friends, and then I have secured myself a retreat at your brother's, who has kindly offered me part of his house. I cannot compose myself to write any further at present. I will add more as I hear further. Tuesday afternoon. I have been so much agitated that I have not been able to write since Sabbath day. When I say that ten thousand reports are passing, vague and uncertain as the wind, I believe I speak the truth. I am not able to give you any authentic account of last Saturday, but you will not be destitute of intelligence. Colonel Palmer has just sent me word that he has an opportunity of conveyance. Incorrect as this scrawl will be, it shall go. 
I ardently pray that you may be supported through the arduous task you have before you. I wish I could contradict the report of the doctor's death, but it is a lamentable truth, and the tears of multitudes pay tribute to his memory. Those favorite lines of Collins continually sound in my ears. How sleep the brave, etc. I must close as the deacon waits. I have not pretended to be particular with regard to what I have heard, because I know you will collect better intelligence. The spirits of the people are very good. The loss of Charlestown affects them no more than a drop of the bucket. I am most sincerely yours, Portia. 22 June, 1775 To John Adams I received yours of June 10th for which I thank you. I want you to be more particular. Does every member feel for us? Can they realize what we suffer? And can they believe with what patience and fortitude we endure the conflict? Nor do we even tremble at the frowns of power. You inquire of me who were at the engagement at Grape Island. I may say with truth all of Weymouth, Braintree, Higgum, who were able to bear arms and hundreds from other towns within twenty, thirty, and forty miles of Weymouth. Our good friend the doctor is in a miserable state of health, and hardly able to go from his own house to my father's. Danger, you know, sometimes makes timid men bold. He stood that day very well, and generously attended, with drink, biscuit, flints, etc., five hundred men without taking any pay. He has since been chosen one of the Committee of Correspondence for that town, and has done much service by establishing a regular method of alarm from town to town. Both your brothers were there, your younger brother with his company, who gained honor by their good order that day. He was one of the first to venture on board a schooner to land upon the island. As to Chelsea, I cannot be so particular as I know only in general that Colonel Putman commanded there and had many gentlemen volunteers. We have two companies stationed in this town, at Germantown, Captain Turner, at Squantum, Captain Vinton, in Weymouth, one, in Hingham, two, etc. I believe I shall remove your books this week to your brothers. We think it advisable. Colonel Quincy has procured his family a retreat at Deacon Holbrook's, Mr. Cranch has one at Major Bass's, in case of necessity, to which we hope not to be driven. We hear that the troops destined for New York are all expected here, but we have got to that pass that a whole legion of them would not intimidate us. I think I am very brave upon the whole. If danger comes near my dwelling, I suppose I shall shudder. We want powder but with the blessing of heaven we fear them not. Write every opportunity you can. I am yours, Portia. End of section 6